0: Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. I always find it ironic in a way when I talk, and now even more so because I'm talking about communication. Um, you don't know me, I suppose, but when I was in, in school, I could not do oral exams, and um, I was sitting around the essay because nothing made sense. And somewhere in my third year, I studied occupational therapy, and in occupational therapy, we have these very long exams where you have to present your case in front of a panel of a Did you know you're dyslexic? Thank you. I understand. So I want to say that because I love communication because it's hard for me. I want to say that because when I sit with counseling and I sit with two people who I struggle to find my words and I see how other people struggle. And if you are in any way alive, then we cannot be without communication. We cannot be without people. So this topic is a very wide topic. There's a lot I can talk about tonight. Um, So I'm going to try and stick to what I've planned and not digress too much. Um, Yeah, so let me just start at, like, now I'm very loud. Philip, is it right? I'm very loud. Is it okay? Okay. So I Googled, because it's fun, and I Facebooked a few quotes on communication. Right. The single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. Who can agree with that one? Who walks away from a conversation and thinks, ah, oh, that was good, and then the other person just did not get it at all? Or you said something and you just weren't heard. Nee? So, or, or sometimes we feel like we've talked to somebody, but it's just it, it didn't clarify, it didn't end to where it was supposed to go. I like this next quote. Communication is a skill that you can learn. It's like riding a bicycle or typing. If you are willing to work at it, you can rapidly improve the quality of every part of your life. Because communication is everywhere. So that's a beautiful one. Effective communication is 20% of what you know and 80% of how you feel about what you know. And we're going to talk about that one. Okay, That is one I see in counseling a lot. You have the topic, but somehow it doesn't get dissolved. You walk away, both people are still angry. But the topic was discussed. But the feelings, so we'll get to that one. Okay. A lot of problems, let me just rearrange my notes so that you guys don't see the ugly part. I actually brought this pretty thing. I like, no, it looks better from your son. Huh? Okay. <laughs> this is one of my favorite preachers. Nikki Gamble, he says, A lot of problems in this world would be solved if we talked to each other instead of about each other. And that is something that I just want to share in church. I think in church and in a lot of places where we have communication, we should talk to the person we've got a problem with instead of just about the person because that usually does not end in a good thing. Um, But we'll get to that. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, Death and life and the power of the tongue and those who love it shall eat its fruit. I want to kickstart with this one because in the culture that we are in, especially the media culture where we have a lot of freedom on Twitter and Facebook, people say what they want. There's so much power in our words, guys. I just want to say we can't touch on this one before we, we, uh, if we go into communication, we have to touch on this one. There is death and there is life in your words. If, you, if you, you know if somebody says something nice to you. I, I always say this in counseling. This is weird how people are wired. But somewhere along the line, I learned this fact. Please Google it. But I learned this thing that said, um, a person hears something negative three times and will claim it. You have to hear something positive over 30 times to claim it. Which is weird. I'm not sure if the facts are exactly right, but it's somewhere along those lines. If we speak death, Or if we speak life, the fruit of it comes. Okay? It shapes our lives. It shapes our relationships. So, I've got a picture up there. But, oops, I have to get my my helpers. Can I just get my bag quickly? Can I walk here? So, for the purpose of this, I need space, actually. I hope they'll stand on the keyboard. My daughters borrowed me their dolls. So here we have Ken. And look at his hairstyle, he's very modern. I don't think he's gonna stand. Let him sit, okay, Ken? You sit, okay. And I have Bobby. all right. Now, these are the modern Barbies. They are really expensive. Okay, you save up for them. And then you look after them like Okay. Ken and Barbie. Now look at each other, guys. We are non-verbal and verbal. Okay. Alright. <laughs> so we have a communication example. I'm going to demonstrate some things with Ken and Barbie, but up there I've got two pictures. Alright. Let's just talk about communication straight before we get deep. What is communication? It's verbal and non-verbal giving and taking. So I give things, you take things. Now the thing that people often forget is that I live in my bubble, and you live in your bubble. My bubble is my frame of reference, it's my experience, it's my life, it's how I've learned, it's my culture, it's a lot of stuff forms my bubble, and that bubble is like a filter. So from my bubble, I communicate to your bubble. I want to try and communicate something, so I'm using my frame of reference, my words, my whatever, and I want to get it into your bubble. Your bubble is a completely different ballgame. So you have a very different way of functioning and thinking. So, people need to, firstly, before I carry on, this is one of the things I say a lot in marriage counselling. Both parties need to give the other one space to have their own bubble. Because we're different. Everybody has their own bubble and their own way of interacting. Okay? Okay. We'll get to this a bit, but the first and the most important thing I've got is I have control over my bubble. I can control my thoughts, my words, my verbal and non-verbal. I have control over that. I have no control over yours. Now, this is the important thing. In between those two people, in between them, there is a space. Now, that space is the only thing you have to work with. Why do I say that? Because none of us can read minds. It doesn't matter how well you think you know somebody. You cannot read that person's mind. doesn't matter what experience that person has given you. The moment I decide that I know what you're going to do, I am blocking you. And I'm preventing you from growing and being. So the first thing to start with is to say, I have control over me. That's the only part in the communication that I have, is me and my bubble. If there's problems in my bubble, I have to deal with it. If there's hurts in my bubble, I have to deal with it, because it becomes my filter. So strange things in communication, sometimes somebody says something, and you have a reaction. And afterwards you think, oh my soul, why did I have that reaction? It's because your bubble has a story. And that person did something that reminded you of your story, it came through your filter, and you reacted. But you have control over your bubble, not over the other one. Um, so Sorry. I brought an illustration to just to say this a little bit better. Barbie has got bad experience with Ken's making of the coffee. Ken cannot make coffee. He is unable to make a good cup of coffee. So in the time that these two have known each other, she has learned he cannot make so now she, in the meantime, Ken went for a course and he can now make the best cup of coffee. And he wanted to surprise Barbie. Now she comes and he asks, can I make you a cup of coffee? Barbie drops the wall. I know you. You can't do this. You're not going to make me coffee. She does not allow him to show any growth or any progress or any communication to happen. She blocked it. And we do that. In communication, I call this a mirror. Because in essence what happened in communication is you then end up talking to your version of that person. So I have created you in my mind and I'm talking to you the way I think you are. But I'm not allowing you to be you. If she had actually just did what we're going to be talking about and asked him a few questions and maybe let him make her the expected horrible cup of coffee, she would have learned that now this man can make coffee. <laughs> Okay, so I call this the mirror, and I want to illustrate this because the whole topic for me in communication is your heart. We can talk about a lot of skills. There's a lot of tools. There's a lot of things you can bring into communication to make yourself better. And you can Google, what do they call it, Um, self, what's the word? I want to stand up for myself. There's a lot of things, tools, people can, you can Google and learn to self-empowering communication. There's a lot of things. But I want to say we have to pause and say there is a worldly way of communicating and there is a godly way of communicating. Philip has talked in his sermon about God wanting us to lift the standard about how we live as Christians. And in our culture, as a Christian, we should have a different standard of communicating. Let's just read. I love the scripture. I use this one a lot. Um, 2 Timothy 3, it says, In the last days, perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of themselves. Lovers of themselves boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous rush, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying its, its power. Okay, now look at the scripture and let it filter into communication. Let it filter. Communication is one of these single practical places where we demonstrate love. And it's one of the hardest places to demonstrate love. Why? Because Barbie has a set of needs and Ken has a set of needs, and I want what I want. (laughs) Sounds horrible. But everybody has something they want. And that's what makes communication on a relationship level very difficult. Because I have to communicate what I want while being in love. And the world is telling us, no, no, this is how you do it. Just you know, shout self-control. Just shout, break things, throw a tantrum, post it on Facebook. You know, whatever. Um, do do like that. You know, just communicate on the platform wherever. Call it out. Um, maybe maybe you must. You know, when you're upset with somebody, get sarcastic and humiliate them. Okay. So I want to colour that in because that's the world we're living in, and we have to do the opposite. We have to look at God's law of love. If we are Christians and we function under God's constitution of his kingdom, then his constitution is the constitution of love. And it's the kind of love where Jesus died on the cross for us to have eternal and we don't deserve it. And I have to say that because I think we get used to that. And we should not get used to that. I have a lot of conversations with people in counseling about how can a good God allow things and this world is a mess. And then sometimes I just have to pause and say, do you realize God saved you from eternal death? He did not save you to be healthy. Yes, we pray for that. But God saved you from eternal death. He did not save you to be um, skinny and pretty. That's not why he saved us. He saved us from eternal death and we do not deserve it. That is a very, very selfless love. So we have to take that love and make it practical in our communication. And I love scripture. I said to Philip, I could just read from here on. I don't need to preach anymore. I can just read scriptures because the Bible is so full of practical tools. What does this look like? Okay, but I'm going to get practical beyond. So I just want to read this one. The law of love, Matthew 7 says, So in everything... Do unto others what you would have do them to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Now, that is the law. It's love your neighbor as you love yourself. We know this. And we have to take that law and say, all right, I want that to be my filter. So inside my little bubble, there could be a lot of stuff going on, because I'm still working out my salvation. (laughs) There's a lot of stuff going on here. But now I want to talk, so my filter has to be this law of love. So what I bring into this space for the other person is God's love. Because that's what we have to work with, is the space where we give and receive. We give words, we give non-verbal cues, we give responses, and we receive. I, I want to just quickly pause on the receive, because I don't think I said that. In our house, we often get the fight. But she made me do it. And then I tell them, okay, did she get in your head, tell your head, slap your sister? No. Why? Because I control my hand. I control what I do. Nobody can make you do anything. In this space of communication, I have a choice to give and receive. If somebody is nasty towards me, I have a choice. Am I going to receive it? And how am I going to respond? That's my fault That becomes my bubble. Okay. And those are the skills that we'll be talking about. Because through that filter, we often have to rethink our quick answers and our own hurts that jump through that thing to get to the other one. In in marriage counseling, I call them arrows. People throw each other with arrows. And if there's enough mirrors between them, there's a lot of arrows flying around. And then we have to remove all the arrows and the walls and say, listen, guys. Take control of your own bubble. (laughs) Let's start there. Your heart. Okay. So what does this look like practically? Romans 12. Do not take revenge, dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge and I will repay, says the Lord. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is another filter. When arrows come my way, I can filter it and react differently. I can say, right, my enemy has done something to me, but I'm going to bless you. I'm going to be nice. I have lots of situations where people have... I mean, we all have diffi- difficult relationships, and then sometimes people just want to avoid a difficult relationship altogether. want to avoid a difficult relationship altogether and just not go there. Because they know when they go there, it's going to blow up, and it's going to get... The word everybody uses these days is toxic. So they talk about this toxic relationship, but maybe there is something that you have to go do there. So my question is, how do you go? Are you going and then you're going to play along, give and take, in the toxic, or are you going to choose to overcome evil with good? Be nice. But then you get the nice, you know, that kind of snotty nice. And you get serious nice. You can be nice without having some kind of an extra angle because do not take revenge. People take revenge with their words. If I'm upset enough with you, I can throw a lot of revenge words. Maybe not at you, but I'll throw it behind your back. It's all part of communication, and it's actually, it points to your heart. Okay, so my next one that I've got up there is is Corinthians. All right, now as I'm reading this, think communication. Maybe think of a difficult relationship that you've got. Okay, love is patient, it's kind, does not envy, does not boast, is not proud, it does not dishonor others. It is not self seeking, not easily angered, does not keep record of wrongs, does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Now, if this, I know everybody preaches this everywhere on weddings. When you hear this, Let it filter into communication. Because if I can do this in my communication, my communication will be key. If I'm patient, if my words are kind, if I don't get upset easily and throw a tantrum, and after, you know, delight, so you did something wrong, so I'm thinking, yeah, that was supposed to happen. I told you so. That is delighting in, 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 in evil and not rejoicing in the truth. So that is just practical I've got my little picture up again, I think my Barbie and King up there. So to start talking about how do we bring love into the gap between people, we have to look at our own hearts. Luke six says the good man I think it's a few slides on the good man brings good things out of the treasure of his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the treasure. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Um, there's a beautiful illustration that we use in marriage prep. I don't know if they still use it, but the, sir, the, the preacher has two mugs. He's got a Mr. Mug and a Mrs. Mug, and both of them are filled with balls. So Mrs. Mug has pink balls, and Mr. Mug has blue balls. And then when you bump them, balls fly. And then they get upset with each other because you are making my balls fly. <laughs> But the balls are in there. <laughs> they are your balls. Okay, so if Mrs. Bug, Mug is full of stuff that's coming out when she's being pushed, and the same is there with Mr. Mug, and there's things coming out, out of the overflow of the heart. So we can often test our hearts by what comes out of our mouths, especially in our close relationships, because those are unfiltered conversations. Those are conversations that tend to just jump out, and if these things jumping out are not in accordance to this law of love, then I have to pause and say, all right, what's going on in my heart? What's going on in my heart? I can't change you. I can pray for you. I can give you to God. I can give advice in this space, respectfully. But I cannot change you. I can only change me. So what does this space look like? This space look like, I've got... Um, I've said about my responsibility, understanding that in a relationship and especially in a conversation or communication, I have a responsibility towards me, my actions, my verbal, non-verbal. And here we have to sometimes ask people close to us, listen, do I look angry when I say that? You know, sometimes my kids will say, yes, mom, you're very angry. And I'm like, oh, sorry, that's just the face. No, I'm not angry. You know, Talk talk, because what did I say about assumptions? If, for instance, I say something, and my method or my words in your filter is hurting you, ask me. Don't put the mirror there and decide that this is now what you get. Then you are blocking me from being. Ask me. Is that what you meant? When you say that, is that really what you meant? I'm sorry. No, no, I'm sorry, I said it wrong. This is what I meant. And that's where we need to have a humble heart so that I can ask. Because that's communication. It's giving and taking. And wanting to find out what's going on in the other person's bubble. I cannot get in there. I can never get in there. I only get what they give me. And they only get what I give them. So if, so, somebody's asked me, so what if they are fake? Then they are fake. You don't know. I can only work with what you give me. Alright, if I walk around trying to figure out what's going on in your bubble, I'm going to go insane. Alright, I cannot. I can ask you and you can share. In the space between us, we clarify. When you did that, you hurt my feelings. Was that what you meant? I heard this when you said that. You know, in the space between, we misunderstand each other. Unless we clarify. Part of this whole thing with the mirror, I'm going to put it back between the two of them, is forgiveness. And in relationships and in communication we talk about containers. So we've had the cold coffee incident here. She's really upset with his history of coffee. She just doesn't ever want to, and now they go for marriage counseling and the coffee is a big issue and she's in tears because he doesn't get me. Now coffee is an identity thing for her, clearly. She needs to give up her coffee. But we're not there yet. We're in communication. So now in this scenario, she's now decided that he's a terrible coffee maker. She's placed an assumption on him that is now blocking him. She needs to forgive him for his past terrible (laughs) coffee She has to forgive him and put it into a container. Now maybe in future he makes a cup of coffee and he didn't focus and it's horrible. Oh, you are terrible with coffee. She throws the past out. I'm just going to throw out the past because this is who you are. That's not forgiveness. So, in relationships, we hurt each other. We have to forgive and put the past in a container. And then once it's worked through, you leave it there. And you ask permission in the space between when you go back. Because otherwise, you are just using the past as a mirror. You are blocking that person, and you are actually blocking yourself from getting to know that person. Um, if you keep on putting that thing in there. So, forgiveness is a big deal, but forgiveness, in maybe in that situation, she might not ever trust him again to make good coffee, so the trust will grow. We don't necessarily trust somebody after they hurt us. But time heals it. And in good communication, where we share in the space, you will ask her, how can I build your trust? How can I? What can I do to help you? Trust me again. And then she'll say, I don't think I'm ever going to trust you, but I'll stand next to you and watch you make the coffee. <laughs> That's a strange, but then, you know, if it, what I'm trying to illustrate is communication is talking and building back. Okay? And it doesn't happen if we put a mirror in the mirror in the middle and just make an assumption from the past and from what you've learned. Okay, what else do we have in this space? And there's a lot I can mention here. Um, now these are just short words, which actually, if you if you want to go into scripture, you'll find them in scriptures. Judge yourself soberly. We've been talking about that now. But if I'm in a conversation, especially if it's a heartfelt conversation, judge yourself soberly, throw the pride out, because pride blocks. You can't talk to somebody if there's a proud wall. Can't get to the person. So, judge yourself soberly. What's going on in my heart? What am I feeling? What am I thinking? Is it good? Is it bad? As Christians, sometimes we really don't want to face the fact that we still have bad thoughts and bad things. What do we do with them? You face them. Recognize that they are there. Because <laughs> just ignoring them does not make them go away. If there's something in you like an anger or a jealousy, or a unforgiveness, or something that's really—you know—you don't want it because, as a Christian, I should know better. If it's there, face it, own up to it, deal with it. Don't just shove it away. Go for prayer, go for counselling. See where it comes from. Work out, work out that thing so that it's no longer part of your of your filter. Okay, judge yourself soberly. Own your triggers and deal with them. This is something I hear a lot now, but that is a trigger. Almost as if the trigger is a license for me to not have control. That doesn't work. I have control. If the trigger is really painful, it means there's an emotional hurt that's not been healed. Okay, that's like bumping a broken leg. It will hurt, so we need to get it healed. But that is a, a process of taking responsibility of what is in me. I have to take responsibility for something. The other one shouting at me is not a reason for me to shout back. I still have control over my part. But she made me do it. I told you guys about that one. Sometimes really intense feelings start stirring. And in communication, sometimes in good communication, you'll you'll throw a halt. And say, listen, I can't talk now. I'm too emotional. But in the space, we'll say, we're going to finish this conversation later. Or I'll go deal with my thing. But I don't want to give what's going on in here to you now. That's also wisdom is sometimes to be able to say, My feelings are too much now and this is not the place. But deal with them. Otherwise they are gonna come back. Catch thoughts, if there's things, if you if you realize in your conversations that these things are triggering hurts or triggering old things, maybe you haven't forgiven things, catch those stuff. Because there's a lot of things that run in our thoughts, almost like a unconscious um, playback. And sometimes we just let them run free. If you recognize something that is not in this law of love, catch it. And if need be, work it through so that it can leave. Guard your mouth. That's part of my responsibility. I can choose when my lips move. Okay, I can choose what comes out of them. (laughs) And if sometimes you say something too quickly, then own up to it and say that you're sorry. All right, that's just a very healthy habit in communication. And I put that one at the bottom. But you know what? If we go into a potential vulnerable situation where the other person might say stuff that's going to hurt me, in my bubble... I can be okay with Christ. This is identity. Now, I'm not going to go into this one too much, but often in communication, we had a little incident there with the coffee where it seems like Barbie has an identity issue with coffee. She She's really owning it too much. She's not really allowing coffee to, um, you know, it gets in the relationship. So she might have to deal with that part of her identity so that she's more than just coffee, so that Ken can reach, get to her, without this coffee mountain. We have to figure out if there's stuff in us that we take as our identity. And you'll, fig- you'll see that when somebody says something that hurts you. And you're like, oh, why did that hurt me? Because there's something that's, that's still part of... I'm going to try and word it like this. How can I word this? Um... Okay, I'm growing older. I'm going to use a very exposing example. I'm growing older. This is a different body to what I had many years ago. And one of my daughters once came to me and said, Mom, you have big hips. Now, where I come from, that's not a compliment. (laughs) So my initial reaction was, what am I going to do? And then I said to her, my dear, aren't my hips beautiful? I have a choice. What am I gonna say? It's something that in my past, if you know my story, I had anorexia, I had eating disorders. I've got a long history of a lot of stuff. So in my past, the story is there for me to immediately have felt, oh my word, I'm a failure. My daughter thinks I'm ugly or something. That is the potential for the pattern to run just by her saying one word. But I recognized the hurt and I chose. You know what, that's not part of me anymore. I am okay in Christ, no matter what this looks like. I can tell her that I'm beautiful, and I actually believe it. <laughs> okay, so you, hear the, so you have to know my story there. It's a long story of the, of, of the eating disorders. But I'm trying to illustrate this thing, of, especially in relationship conversations, where people say things that just get to that place. Own up to your triggers. Own up to your hurts. They're yours to deal with. Now, if I started shouting at my daughter... What image would I have given her about beauty? And what story would I have told her about her mother if I started like, you know, acting in a different way? But it's something that God has healed so I could share it from that place. And I know it's the, the other day that one of them came to me and I said to them, oh my soul, my hair looks such a mess. And she said to me, but mom, you're always beautiful. Oh, my God, no, thank you. <laughs> so it's so weird. Okay, let's say next one. What is in the space? Respect. What does respect look like? Um, and this is something that is... Respect is... There's, there's an element of love in respect. But respect is something that sometimes has a little bit of different meanings in different cultures. So there is a definition of respect that we get from Scripture. But there is also the fact that in my bubble I might have a story attached to respect. So I might have to ask the other one. Listen, in your bubble... <laughs> what is your definition of respect? I don't want to offend you. And then if that person, if it's a healthy conversation, the other person will ask me, what is your definition of respect? And we'll find a way. We might not agree on the definition, but I'll understand where they come from. And they will understand where I come from because we have different bubbles. And there's not necessarily a right and wrong um, in all of these things. As I'm saying them here, I'm not talking about Abuse and respect where people miss the meaning. I'm not going there, I'm talking about a healthy respect that might just have a different definition in different cultures. Love. You've probably all read the books or heard of the love languages. There's so much more than what those books give. But what is a person's definition of love? When do you feel loved? You have to communicate this, otherwise the other one can't give it. You know, I can't read your mind. If you don't tell me or thank me, I won't know. We have the space between. And we have to utilize that space. Kindness. Kindness is a little bit of my control, but it's something I put in the space. It actually, it, it influences the space. Grace. What does grace look like? We talked about it a bit in the love. Forgiving and not seeking revenge. Patience, we talked about that one. Seeking peace. If there is something in the relationship that keeps on looking for a fight, it needs to be sorted out. Because as a Christian, we should be seeking peace. Sometimes there are stuff that needs to be sorted out. And then we should be mature enough and wise enough to get the right counsel to sort things out. Okay? But in, our hearts in that is to seek peace. Peace does not necessarily mean we agree about everything, but it could be a beautiful place of respect. Okay, but seeking peace. And let your words be gentle. Discipline your tongue and be slow to anger. All right. Do you guys have a little bit more energy for a short extra on? Can I do a little bit more extra? I'm going to make... Just bring a practical counselling thing here at the end. Alright, my mountains. Yaku has also talked about them, I think, in marriage counselling and stuff. There's a lot to be said about these two mountains. And depending on our time, I'll see where I get. (laughs) Okay, so, when we have communication, you have these two mountains... There's the two peaks sticking out on top of the water, and then there's lots of mountain or iceberg or whatever you want to see them in your imagination under the water. But there's only a small part sticking out, and that's what you see. That's a little bit of the conversation. Is I see something of you, but I don't know everything. You basically get two kinds of communication, and if you can recognize this, you'll be, a good, you'll be in a good space. The first one is just a topical conversation. That is like, you see those two things at the top? Those are my drawings for tennis courts. Okay? So those are two tennis courts, and there's a game going on. There's tennis going on. Some people love the tennis match. They love it. You'll see them arguing about everything, but it's not a hard thing. It's not an issue. You know, it's almost like they're playing tennis about everything all the time. It's like there's arguments going around. Um, But the tennis match is a topical conversation. It's a conversation about the thing. Please give me the coffee. No, I'm not going to give you the coffee. Why not? My leg is so, oh, come on, did this just help me? That's just topical. But now I go deep and I say, you never help me. Boom, that's a foul. I took that tennis ball and I I hit it down. Without permission, without warning, that's a foul. So there's a healthy tennis conversation. And then there's the place where people start shooting. They slam that ball off. Because they want to win. <laughs> I slam my point. And like I say, um, I, um, I don't know if I should say this, but Philip's brothers have very strong personalities. So when him and his brothers are together, they can play tennis. But it's not a heart issue. It's a they love talking about the topic and smacking that ball. You get different kind of tennis players. And I want to say this because this is also true. You get a Federer and you get an Nadal. Now, for those of you, I'm just going to use them as an explanation because, in my mind, Federer has got a lot of smooth style, he's good. But Nadal smacks that ball. So, if you have two Nadals on the court, it's quickly, bam, that's how it goes. If you have two Federers, then you maybe have a different kind of game going. I saw Federer and Nadal playing a friendly once, and that was beautiful. These two guys who have the power and the skill to smack that ball. Went around that court playing with each other. They were, Bill Gates was also there and I can't remember, Trevor Noah was he also in it. And they were playing tennis, but it was a beautiful, fun thing. They were enjoying the ball. You get different kinds of topical conversations. I like that one. I like the one where I, you know, you dance and you jump and you twirl when the ball comes. <laughs> I'm not serious when it gets to the topical conversations. Other people love the topical conversations. So here is a, a very good tool. It's just to be able to recognize, is this a topical conversation? And then how do, you, how do we play this game? How is this one going to work? It's not a personal thing. It's not, a, it's not something that you should take personal. Does that make sense? But under the water, you want to connect. Now, this is in relationships. We want to get people to wear those mountains at the bottom. We want them to connect. The only way to get there is to ask. To respectfully ask clarifying questions to understand. Okay. So that there might be a topic going on and the one says, No, but you never make me coffee. Boom, it went to the heart. If it's a good conversation, the other one will say something like, Do you really experience that I never make your coffee? Immediately, it's a hot conversation. Does that make sense? I I didn't mean it like that. I just really would have liked it if you made coffee for me now. Okay, clarified. Conversation, fight over. You hear what I'm saying? Clarifying questions. Because that's the place where now people put that mirror in. And then the conversation just does not go anywhere else. It goes back to tennis. And it's now an emotional tennis where people are getting nasty, and starting to throw emotional balls at each other, and that's not the place. Under the water, they usually should migrate a pattern in the conversation, a listener and a talker. Okay, if, if you're wise, you'll recognize that something will start happening, a listener and a talker. Now, if both parties take their roles, the conversation will be good. Because listener has a role to listen. And you have to listen in a way that the other one feels they were heard. So that's where you ask questions. Listener asks. Listener clarifies. Is this what you meant? Is this what you meant? This is what I heard. Is that what you said? So listener takes the role of listening. If talker is now saying stuff, you know, he's now smacking the ball emotionally. A wise listener will keep quiet and listen, because the other rule is talker needs to talk. Okay, in this space, talker needs to talk. There's a scripture that I couldn't find, I couldn't find it again, that says so beautifully that um, you have to let somebody talk until their heart is empty. Okay, that's sometimes hard. <laughs> but you let the person talk, because sometimes while the talker is talking, you get different kinds th- of talkers. You get talkers that process while they're talking, and then you get people that has it up here and they just give it to you. You get different kinds of talkers. But talker has to talk. And listener has to understand. And then when it's done, when talker f- when talker feels that they've now been heard, the roles change. And then the other ones say, okay, may I now? And then I talk. So the roles can can, if the roles are clear, especially in emotional conversations, You can get to a place where you can understand the other one without maybe agreeing or fully understanding, but you can help the other one. It's just a practical way, and uh, it gets very practical when you start practicing it. Like, you usually tell people, go home and practice it with the salt. It's silly, but... Um, Please pass me the salt. Do you mean the salt? Is this the salt you want? Yes, that salt. Can I give it to you with my right hand or my left hand? Or, Or give it to me with your left hand. Is this the way you like it? Yes. Okay, great. Thank you. Silly example. But we don't learn the skill of listening. And we don't always have the skill of asking as part of listening. And that's something we can learn. Is to hold your tongue and to listen and to ask. You know, what are you meaning? What are you saying? Why is this harmful? And then if it's a good conversation, it'll turn and the other party will get a a chance. Um, Sometimes a practical tool is to have a a physical talking and listening chair. You sit there, you sit there, that's your role, I can find one, swap chairs, you sit there, you sit there, and you take your role seriously so that you can talk it through. Okay, there are, however, a few enemies that I just want to say, and these guys are really good to know. Where did I write my enemies? Because I had to translate them in my... Ah. These four guys, actually there's five, are like the virus of good communication. They're not up there. So make notes, if you can. Criticizing. If listener starts criticizing, the conversation is over. Because they're not listening. Criticizing, what does that mean? It means... um. Coffee. I wanna make you some coffee. Um but your coffee's terrible. Nobody wants to communicate if they're being um criticized. It's not a safe space. Me? Nee? Criticising, defending. But I never said that. I never want no that you're wrong about that. You know, instead of listening, is that how you felt? Wow, I didn't know you felt like that. Is that what you heard? Sure, I didn't mean it like that. You know, actually, defense. The other one is giving advice. You know, sometimes you'll have talker talking, saying, oh, I burnt my tongue on the coffee, it was so horrible. Well, you should just put some ice on it. But I didn't even get to the part where (laughs) what actually bugged me, you know? Giving advice. Um, I'll get to that for now. Then the other one is... Okay, criticizing, correcting, did I do that one? Correcting the other one. If you keep on correcting the story, um, the one is trying to tell you that, you know, I don't like your coffee, and then he's always correcting, no, but I only messed up once. You keep on remembering this one time. Let's look at, look at the diary. That day was like that, and then that day, and you always look at that one. If you are correcting the facts, you are not hearing the story. Okay, so correcting kills communication. And this is sort of links with that quote in the beginning. Communicating is not just the facts. It's about what people feel about the facts. And you can say guys are not emotional, but in communication we are all. Because we all have emotions and we all have parts of us that's involved in the communication. So to allow them space, I'm just going to say these enemies again. It's criticizing, correcting, defending, and giving advice. And then just to add one is assumptions. When you put assumptions in that space between two people, the, com- the communication can't happen. Because the moment I assume something, I'm not giving you any space to show me what you are or who you are. Okay. So those are just a few practical things. So anyway, so in the, just to summarize the mountains, you get two kinds of communications. The topical one, where people tend to talk topical, and then relational or heart conversations. And you can see when they switch. And then you need to know, oh my word, we're not playing tennis anymore. Now I have to listen. Now I have to ask. Okay, and then in that space, you can't use these guys. These enemies kill it. They really just stop the conversation immediately because there's no space. It's not a safe space to share anymore. And then people close up. Um, And then there's no communication. All right. So, that is it. (laughs) From me ending on a practical note. Um, But just to summarize, I think it all, I, I try to like just illustrate the whole thing about the bubbles and how we have to have space for each other to have different... Um, I call it in counseling, it's an experience world. It's your, world, your experience. We all have these world bubbles. So we have to allow each other to have different bubbles. The mountains is a practical one, just in to help us, guide us through some, some conversations. And then above all else, to test your heart. That when you go into a conversation that you that you 'll seek this law of love that God has for us, so that when we communicate in church in our relationships in our marriages that it will truly be different to the world um, because people don 't expect that I, I can honestly say that people don 't expect that um, a silly example once I had a we had this whole situation, my staff is a a, a purebred, and we had a situation with a breeding situation, anyway, and the guy who brought the stud did some things, and we had to have a few harsh words, and he got so angry at me, and he used a lot of language, and I just stayed calm, and I said to him, listen, I'm not going to do that, I don't know what you expect, but this is what I'm going to do, and he didn't know what to do with me, because my response was so different, what he expected was an argument's now going to come because there's now been an issue on the table. And, and I'm just like, Bob, well, we we'll have to talk through this issue. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to get nasty. I'm not going to throw words back at you. I want to clarify this. Um, and he didn't know what to do. And situations like that are lasting because the, I almost want to say, the flavor that you leave behind if you've handled something in the law of love is very powerful. Okay. So on that note, I'm going to end for us in prayer. Father, I just thank you so much um, that Scripture is practical as well. Sometimes we read about these things and they feel very far because the words get familiar. But Lord, I pray that the Scriptures we looked at tonight and that when we get home and we start reading the Bible and looking for tools of communication, Lord, that, that they will come alive to us so that we can pull these tools in from Scripture and really live from a place where we understand your law of love and that we can share it with people in how we talk and how we communicate. Father, I pray blessing I pray blessing over everybody here that you will teach us to use our words wisely and to always speak in love. I pray this in Jesus name. Amen.